The following bilingual podcast is part of the Greater Lawndale Healthy Work Project from the University of Illinois Chicago School of Public Health in partnership with Yolakali Arts Reach in Little Village. What is the city of Chicago doing to keep its citizens safe in their workspaces and homes throughout the pandemic? You will hear a collection of stories showing the effects of COVID-19 in North and South Lawndale, dilemmas between unsafe workspaces, unemployment, and lack of support from the government, the current needs and concerns of the community, family, housing, health, education, and quality of life. How was your work situation before COVID-19? How can we move forward after experiencing a pandemic? What would you change now? North and South Lawndale are two black and brown, low-income, working-class communities in the west side of Chicago, two neighborhoods that have been the most affected during COVID-19. Raising the questions of social inequities and public health, we will introduce some of the after-effects of the pandemic, particularly on family, friends, and the day-to-day -day life. My name is August Abitang, and I'm here with some of the Yolokali team members that help participate in this reporting. Melissa Regalado. And Emmanuel Ramirez. And in this podcast, we're going to present a collection of stories about the effect of COVID-19 in our local workspaces in Greater Lawndale. The Greater Lawndale Healthy Work Project from the University of Illinois Chicago School of Public Health invited local organizations, including Yolokali, to be part of their research study, which aimed to determine the context, barriers, and pathways to healthy work in Greater Lawndale, as well as build community capacity to recognize worker health as a determinant of community health, address worker-related health in community total worker health efforts, and sustain effective community-based worker health initiatives. And with continuing the conversation, we will explain the process of gathering these interviews and our experience with listening to residents' personal stories. But first, let's talk a little bit about our personal experience with the project in general. So guys, what was it like participating in the project? For me, I was really, I was really proud that I could do something to help our community, like in any capacity. It's been a really crazy time for these past, how old am I? 22 years of living. But more recently with the state of, of America, I feel this is the time where we should push back, we should speak up on what what our needs are and demand that we get our needs fulfilled because no one else is gonna come up and do it for us, you know? And that's like something I had learned from, from talking with these people that they couldn't rely on the government, that it was them relying on, on themselves and their support. And for me, it was, um, it was just an experience that really made me think about um, just how a lot of people in our community suffer through a lot of stuff and especially during COVID it's like you know these levels are more are elevated more and it's just having this uh, having the ability to participate in this project gives us insight about what's happening but also you know to think about other solutions to these common problems and how as a community we can uplift each other and make sure that even if you know a global pandemic doesn't happen assure ourselves that these situations, especially in like work conditions, aren't going to be repeated ever again. And it creates, you know, a safe space. Yeah, and I think if we're talking about ourselves personally, 
I was also super grateful that we were given the opportunity to just even participate in this research project because it's such a big deal. You know, me and Melissa, we're seniors right now, you know, going out to bigger things. And all of us are doing right now community reporting, radio journalism, audio journalism, uh, podcast. And so we are all just in this field and given the opportunity to collaborate with UIC for this research project. Like, you know, now we got some juice for our resumes, you know, grateful. I want to know uh, what it was like for y'all to to do these interviews, to conduct these interviews. For starters, you know, the three of us went through it as well with Antonio. Uh, we all had to first go through the, what was it? It was a workshop where we had to kind of learn about trauma, um, how to interview people who have dealt with trauma. And, you know, it was basically a workshop teaching us how to be more empathetic and you know how to deal with people who either are going through something traumatic and how to make people comfortable especially during these interviews since it's like a super intimate like intimate time yeah having to go through that that was interesting to learn from at the very beginning because going into it all we really got was their jobs post pandemic and after that it was for us to research question ask what happened how has your work been shifted, changed because of COVID-19 and the pandemic in general? And having to improvise these questions, that was that was tricky. Personally, I really enjoy like meeting new people and getting to know them personally. And to do this in such a short amount of time, it was kind of like, it was, it was nerve wracking for me at first. But luckily I got people who, who were willing to open up fairly easy. But also like it was difficult because I had like it gets it gets heavy real quick you know and you wouldn't even see it coming and in my personal life it's like if if that were to happen to me with someone i know you know it's something i struggle with you know uh so this was like a learning experience to uh, how to deal with trauma that trauma course really did help to like not only not only comfort them but like to keep the interview going because that was something we we needed to do as well you know yeah especially and for my experience like just putting it out of perspective, like you hear a lot of these numbers, statistics coming out, like how many this, what people are suffering through this or whatever. But once you, you like sit down and start questioning these people, you like feel so bad. And just because, you know, it, it's super depressing. I mean, come on, a lot of people are going through so much horrible stuff. And, you know, it just makes you kind of angry. And at the same time, you kind of reflect on why you're doing this project and how it has the possibility of either changing these effects. and creating like a better I guess space for other people so definitely it just made me like I don't know like it made me think differently and um when interviewing people like it was just really difficult because you knew at the same time I like expected the worst but then I was relieved when I didn't but then if I did it was like I just felt really bad but I had to keep that aside from myself and you know which just makes you kind of like question about how the setting you're growing up impacts a lot of things that being economically or just mentally so you know being able to do something that could possibly change something is a good possibility and with going into that um, my question to you guys is what was it like like putting together the podcast and just kind of organizing everything if you were to sum it up in one word quite stressful you know or two, really. It's not as stressful as radio, from what I've experienced here in my short time. 
because i feel like radio is way way more stressful with the deadlines you get me like we can't take our time but with this project you're we were working with more than just outside you know like just us in the group you know what i mean to put this together you had to work with different organizations and with that you can't always you're reliant on some outside source so it's not always on your time you know what i mean so you have to be flexible and that's that's something that that i was not you know like prepared for and and it it came it came into it you know i'm i'm happy for this experience though all in all stress and everything included i would have to agree with august you know as we are sitting here you're listening to my voice the decibels the frequency is going up and down we the three of us are sitting here you know on this google meeting uh reading off of this google doc that we created for the podcast uh so it just putting it together the time that we're living in is very interesting uh fun you know going through the challenges having to figure it out the time that we're going to schedule to meet having to put it all together and you know finding those free time those gaps throughout the day when we all with stephanie a shout out to you stephanie oh my guy and shout out to vanessa oh yeah they helped us so much with this project coming together and trying to find the best way to highlight these people's stories highlight their voices i think that was the most great gratifying part of it and you know i think we can all agree like after hearing a lot of these people's stories everybody lives a different life everybody has different experiences and i'm grateful for the experience i had throughout the pandemic because um a lot of these people they had financial troubles work struggles health struggles and i um thankfully was not given that and so you know, it was really just like realization of like, you know, being grateful for life, honestly. Yeah. And also just one thing I want to include is that, you know, a, a person who does who experiences empathy or at least a little bit of humanity, you're going to feel bad. And yeah, so that's why this project shouldn't be like taken like fun or anything. It should be something serious and it should be a reflection of what like our society or like our government has been controlled by, you know. Um, it just really makes you think, you know, how living in a world where, you know, money is the most important thing and just people are treated like commodities and just being easily replaced and easily um, taken advantage of is something that shouldn't really exist. And just being able to be, um, to experience at least a little bit of insight in these people's lives, it just makes you, it makes you like, you know, realize how bad of a situation it is um you listen to numbers or whatever you might not feel anything but once you sit down with these people and you talk to them it's something that like is super concerning and it's something that should be should be something that should be dealt with and that's why like healthy work should be a priority make sure a lot of these people who are working like minimum wage jobs or only who are exposed to low-income communities deserve like equitable pay they deserve like an equitable system in in their job or workforce that was beautifully put it goes without saying how difficult this year was for everyone. How was it we were able to stay afloat? What were some of the things that helped us cope? What would you say is the main thing that helped you and your family push through these moments? I would say love, the word of God, and prayer. Those were the, the things that really brought us through. The fact that we have something and someone to rely on, and it is powerful. 
that was encouraging because we know our prayers was answered because God kept us. He protected and shielded my family. My husband was bedridden for a long period of time and we both were on oxygen and we was just blessed because having COVID, no one would have taken our child in, in their home because they would have been fearful. So God allowed us to stay here to keep her because she's 11 years of age. Well, she was 10 at the time. So we was blessed. I tell you, we was really blessed. And I pray to God I never have to experience it again. And I do have more compassion for people who are on it because I see what they went through, what they go through and how it's a struggle at times. So I tell you, just to be able to breathe, that's a blessing. And that's something that I do not take for granted. People rally together around my community. You know, a lot of PPE products was passed out. You know, food was distributed. So everybody showed love and kind of pulled together in our community. Yeah. See, I'm one of the volunteers on my block. I'm a part of um, the TRIM program where we cater to the need of the people. So if you're dealing with trauma or you're in need of anything, then that program is there to assist you. So the fact that my faith was strong enough to receive these products and pass them out to the people on the block, that, that helped a lot because I was still able to work. I was still able to serve. And we didn't go into anybody's houses. We just took the bags and we sat them on the door and left literature, you know, talk, encourage those needed prayer, pray for them. So it was, God played a major role in this. He really did. But it's just, it does my heart good to know that I can do something for somebody else. And it's a blessing to be in a position to do something for somebody versus being laid up having someone to have to take care of you. Yeah, you know, and it makes you more compassionate to the individual because they are in need and you're not. So, you know, you don't know the frustrations that a person go through knowing they can't do anything for themselves or they're limited to what they can do. So, you know, it just, just makes you want to pray more for those that you are caring for and praying that they are able to maintain peace we just been blessed in the whole process. Just to be in good health, that's a lot. That is a whole lot. And we're more rich in love than anything. So when we got love and we got Jesus, we got it all. So we know whatever we lacking, he always supply the need. So we don't even worry about it. You know, when you, when you don't know about a lot of resources and stuff, you, you don't know how to cope because I'm like on the borderline between Lawndale and Little Village. So my Lawndale contacts did not help me. However, being friends, being friends with my Little Village people, they helped me out with, re I joined a little church that's like in Little Village and they helped me with resources. They bought food over, over and everything for me to eat and helped me with uh, uh, knowledge about getting help with my gas and lights and all this other stuff. So that's how that's how I was I was able to maintain myself. 
Um, just the different interactions I get with the students and to see them who I just, you know, turned three and then to see them progress over the years. And um, we have a lot of students that end up staying and going to the upper grades. So you get to see them as they get older and just those interactions and just to see from when they first started to where they are now. So it, it makes it um, a great experience. I, I enjoyed making their day. You know, I used to do a, a joke a week for them or something or or like on Fridays, one of the ladies that I had, I would, uh, she liked the blues and she liked to dance and stuff like this. So I would just uh, uh, set my phone up and just have her a little blues-a-rama, you know, you know, for her. So pretty different. Just prayer gave me a lot of hope, a lot of hope. You have to be that type of person that that thinks hopeful, hopeful thoughts, you know. On that Thursday for our last trip, just to be out, when we returned, it was already said that we would have an extended weekend, which we wasn't scheduled to be off on that Friday. I extended weekend, extended through the whole spring and summer, so... Just like kind of educating them that we're just going to have some time off and to be praying for the world and be, just stay safe, continue to wash your hands and just continue to read your favorite book to your parents. And if there's anything that you could have told yourself that last Thursday when you and your students were at the zoo, what, what would you have told yourself? Get in the playground with the kids and slide down the sliding board, swing on the swing, laugh. That's what I would have told myself. Go and get see more animals. You know, don't don't rush. Don't rush again. I was rushed. Rushing the time to run from each animal cage to the next. Just breathing fresh air, hearing laughter, seeing people. Somebody bumping to you and saying, excuse me, or someone coughing, but I should be coming agitated. Just the busyness of people of um, not afraid of human touch. Um, I feel like if there was funding, you know, dedicated for schools, for teachers, where, you know, we can have the necessary supplies that's needed. A lot of times if we run out of things as teachers, you are going into your own personal account to, you know, buy things that's needed for the classroom. Um, so I definitely feel like funding is important. I feel like, um, you know, providing us the opportunities for, you know, higher education. There are a lot of teachers that, you know, are willing to go back to school to either get their master's, but, um, you know, when you don't have the money to, it's, it's, you know, a struggle. So I definitely feel like funding would be a big help in helping teachers, essential workers, those that, you know, work with the public. We provide a sense of safety for the community. For example, you have people that are walking to the laundromat or to take their kids to school or to drop out their kids at the babysitter at 5, 6, 7 a.m. But they see a street vendor that they know, that they talk to, and they feel safe, right? So we we are literally human streetlights. And I have said this a lot of times. We make the community safe and we literally, you know, make it bright, um, physically and emotionally. 
well, just trying to be here for my kids mostly, man. Like I said, you know, I lost my whole immediate family just like being here for my kids. Like I was always taught, you know, that money isn't everything, but it makes a difference. You know what I'm saying? So I try to spend more time with my children and, you know, make the best of what we got, you know, but don't let it take the best of me. Like I said, I said, I still got to plan with what I got to do, what I got to do. So. Man, we've been playing. I think we can play every board game that possibly could be. You know, any, anything you can do to, from the PlayStation to the Xbox, cards, water fights, just started <laughs> this week. <laughs> but whatever we can do to stay busy, you know? So as street vendors, we know, one, one, we know our corner. Two, we know the people that pass by that corner. So we kind of know, you know, the people's routines. Well, I do. I'm a very, <laughs> I, I analyze a lot of things because I've been selling tamales for a lot of years. So I know people's routines, right? I know who walks I literally on what street at what time. Uh, <laughs> and there was this time, there was this senor, this elder man that was walking on the not on the wrong, but on the opposite street of where he usually walks, right? So that was a red flag. And when I see him, he's walking with, um, he's walking with someone else that is, está, ¿cómo se dice? Limping, no está caminando bien, right? So as they come in closer, we see that it's a woman. And we see that this girl is like, you know, she has a completely short dress, she has no jacket, and it seems like she's drunk. Um, so here's the old man, you know, carrying, carrying her or pulling her. And as they're passing by us, she extends her arms and she holds on to my sister-in-law chair. And, you know, me, I'm like, hey, like, what's going on? Todo bien? She really can't talk. She's just like, mm-hmm. she's, you know, she's a little bit drunk. And she grabs onto the, my sister-in-law chair and my sister-in-law holds on to her. And we're like, what's going on? You know, like we're, we asked the guy, like, where are you taking her? Where are you taking her? And she's like, and he's like, oh, like I found her. I'm taking her. I'm taking her home. I'm gonna like, you know, put her, put her some clothes on because she's cold. And we're like asking her, like, are you okay? Are you okay? And as we're asking her, um, the guy's pulling her, and we're two, so we're like, uh-uh, you're not taking her. We're like, you're not taking her. She's staying here. We'll get her home. So she grabs on to us and he finally lets go after like pulling her and like almost fighting with us. So he, you know, he leaves. He's like, ah, ah. And he he leaves and we um, take her to the bank and we like put her inside and we start asking her, you know, like, are you okay? And she's obviously under the influence. So she's not, you know, her five senses. Um, but she was managed to tell us that he was trying to like take her home, um, you know, without her permission. So we like gave her, you know, we gave her a sweater and like we wait for a friend to pick her up. So that's, you know, that's what happened. If we weren't there, I don't know what would have happened. I don't, I really don't know. And I don't want to imagine. Um, but I don't want to say that's one of my favorite. Um, it's definitely not one of my favorite memories, but it's definitely a key memory of why I know that street vendors are a sense of community, but also protect the community and symbolize a human street life.
We manifest that sharing these audios and stories with our community could convey the resilience of black and brown people. Bring awareness to some of the systemic injustices and discrimination our community faces and bring a little hope and inspiration to everyone surviving through this moment in history. May this lead to further and tangible change addressing the needs in our community of North and South Lawndale and how we approach healthy, sustainable work. My name is Melissa Regalado. August Abateng and Emmanuel Ramirez. And this was the second part of our two-part podcast about the Greater Lonzo Healthy Work Project from the University of Illinois Chicago School of Public Health. This was a special bilingual podcast, a collection of stories showing off the effects of COVID-19 in North and South Londo by August Abitang, Emmanuel Ramirez, Melissa Regalado, and Antonio Salazar as part of the Greater Londo Healthy Work Project from the University of Illinois Chicago School of Public Health in partnership with Yolokali Arts Reach in Little Village. Special thanks to our researchers, organizers, community leaders, and participants for their stories and experiences for the completion of this investigation. 